Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, in which I'm joined by uh, Velmoot uh, Sisson. Now, I probably pronounced the surname incorrectly or the family name. I went to a lovely place, listeners, the other day where somebody was filling out a form and they asked me my family name. I've not had anybody ask me for my family name instead of last name for such a long while. But great to have you on today's podcast. Thank you very much, Simon. I'm really excited to be here. And as we were talking just before this started, you know, we both have uh, a relationship with inspections and construction and insurance and, and that kind of thing. So tell the listeners a little bit about you and, and how you got into that, because I, I'm guessing there's a little bit of a story behind that. Oh, yeah. Well, my husband started the company in 2003 after taking early retirement after working for 25 years in uh, telephony and IT. Um, and the, he was totally burned out and then decided that he was going to go in a totally different direction and became a home inspector. Now at the time I was actually, I owned a drapery workroom. So I was designing and sewing custom draperies and window treatments and home furnishings. And I said, you know, lovely, glad you're a home inspector. Don't expect me to go into crawl spaces. I'm, this doesn't appeal to me at all. Well, when the recession came around 2008, my business just went away. And so I, Bob said, come join me in my company. So I said, sure, because I had a background in marketing and journalism, so I could write. Um, but I didn't know enough about home inspection to be able to good, make good copy. So mm -hmm. I figured, let me take the training that home inspectors have to take in Maryland in order to become home inspectors. Yeah. Um, and I took the class and aced it, took the national exam, passed that too, um, and got figured, let's get my license and now, because I'm costing the company money with the licensing fees and the required insurances, yeah. may as well do one or two inspections just to pay my way. And I discovered I adored doing inspections. Really? I was totally shocked at how much fun it was <laughs> and how little I minded crawl spaces and attics yeah. and nasty things and crawling around on my hands and knees to see what's underneath something and um and then I was approached by the local community college to see if I was interested in actually teaching the home inspection preparation class wow. at the community college. And that was almost five years ago now. And so I've been their sole instructor. So between the teaching and I also speak to civic groups um, about home safety and home buying, um, between that and inspections, um, you know, somewhere in my copious free time, I managed to write my book, 101 yep. Things You Don't Want in Your Home. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I love it because it's different every single day. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's one thing, likewise, you know, when it came to doing the restoration works and the, you know, the insurance works, every single one was different. Every single person's home is different. It's interesting, as you were talking there, 
I had this wonderful concept and some of the listeners might be architects. They might be involved in the construction industry, wherever they are in the world, and they might design homes in some way or extensions. Wouldn't it be great if every person that did that had to actually go through the process of learning how to access these spaces? Because what looks accessible on a drawing and what looks accessible when it's been built is completely different. And I've spent my, plenty of my time on my belly crawling through spaces that people say I should not be on my belly in, but you are, aren't you? Because there's no other way. Absolutely. It's like clothing designers that don't know how to sew. They will mm. design clothing that it like defies gravity. Um, I mean, sewing is one of my hobbies. So I know a yeah. lot of times I see like you can't sew that. That's, you know, yeah. nothing. Hold, you need sky hooks to hold that up. But yeah, yeah. it's... It, <laughs> I think that a lot of architects and I think contractors too, just plain old sure. building contractors need to know what home inspectors look for because they, a lot of them are set in their ways of, well, we've always done it this way. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had numerous construction people in my class wanting to change careers and they end the class going, I never knew. Wow, yeah. this is amazing. I just I've always done it this way. And now to find out that I've been doing it wrong for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, great to have you on a podcast, as I say, and a great story of how you got into it as well. Strange enough, 2009 was the actually the end of my construction business. So I sold off my construction business and semi retired into coaching instead. So uh, it was a shift for both of us when the recession mm -hmm. hit in 2008, 2009. Now, I've just seen you take a, a, a sip of your drink there out of the can. Before we, we talk about what's in the can, um, and I know you, you've, you've had enough coffee at the moment, just tell us a little bit about the coffee that you drink. Um, I am not a coffee snob. I'm friends with a lot of coffee snobs, and they are very particular about their beans. Um, I just do a plain old uh, drip, uh, drip machine maker yep. coffee in the morning. Um, and it's typically just a whatever brand happens to be on sale. It sounds terrible. Sometimes we will uh, splurge and get a uh, some beans from a local uh, company that basically they're all uh, just local in this area in Maryland. Yeah. So we get ones that have been roasted on site, and you know we'll splurge okay. on that. But uh, yeah, yeah. that's occasionally. Because yeah, yeah. we, we don't have the patience to do all the stuff you need to do the proper cup of coffee. No, and it's interesting you say that. I mean, yeah, we've had a lot of people mention sort of coffee snobs and coffee knowledge. But, you know, I think the thing that's come out of all this podcast, it doesn't matter whether it's tea, coffee, whatever you drink, it's about what you enjoy. And if that is convenient and you enjoy it, and trust me, I've had some instant coffee that has been exceptional and you know, granular, mm -hmm. but I've had some that has been awful. Yeah, mm -hmm. Would I keep buying the awful just because it's on sale? Absolutely not. But if it's convenient and it's on sale, why not? If you enjoy exactly. it, great. Yeah, exactly. Not exactly. So, so tell us what's in the can. You know, you, you've gone beyond the coffee today. <sighs> tell us what's in the can. Uh, Zero Sugar Canada Dry Ginger Ale. And it's my uh, afternoon drink of choice if I don't drink plain water. Um, okay. And because I just cannot do caffeine afternoon. Otherwise it just, I cannot sleep that night. Yeah. And I'm going to put a bit of a call out there. Okay. Cause it reminded me when you showed the can, the last time I had a can of Canada dry and it was full sugar, 
was on a flight back from Toronto, uh, where I used to do some business, on Air Canada, and I've not seen it anywhere here in the UK since then. So if any listeners here in the UK know where I can get Canada Dry, yeah, because I, I, I love ginger beer, ginger ale, yeah, I drink it all the time. Uh, I love ginger uh, when it comes to having it in tea as well. So if somebody can help me find Canada Dry, sugar-free or not sugar-free, I don't mind, I don't really care, that would be great. So a bit of a shout out for that. Okay. So so thinking, uh, Velmut, about your your own business, uh, and you've given us a great example there of how you got into the business. What's been something that you've worked on or the business has shifted or uh, been improving over yeah, the last sort of uh, few months or last year or so? Just give us a little bit of detail about that. Well, home inspections, home inspectors, most of them in the United States rely on referrals from real estate agents. Okay. And uh, we decided, or Bob decided when he started the company that he was going to be independent, which means that we don't market to real estate agents. And really? this attracts a kind of clientele that wants to have someone impartial because there has been there are some agents, not the good ones, but there are agents that will um, have a soft inspector in their pocket who yeah. knows that the agent wants the commission. Therefore, they will downplay um, some issues. And as a result, the customer gets a house that has problems that they weren't aware of. Um, I think that that is, that is a horrible thing to do. We have never done a soft inspection report. We've had agents approach us going, can you, they're new first time home buyers. Can you just downplay? And it's like, no, no. you're not the one who's going to have to live in this house. So yeah. we are more concerned about the people who are going to be spending however long the rest of their lives in that house. And we want it to be safe. Yeah. And I mean, that, and that's such a great thing to hear because it's not just about them being safe in the house, but if they decide that that isn't the house for them, disposal of that home is going to hit them financially. It's going to be so much harder. You know, I know people that have been almost locked into the purchase of their home because they made a bad decision when they you know, took that home inspection in the first place. And we yeah. actually do call that um, uh it, that house it'll impact the resale value of yeah. the house yeah. so it may not I we say it may not bother you that the basement was finished without permits but when you go to sell the property the next inspector will discover that it was done without permits and the sale could fall through and it could yeah. be you know could be very nasty yeah and we've got a, a neighbor uh, we we've just replaced some windows and some doors and we've had them um sort of certified permits you would call them uh, and our neighbors uh, got somebody to do theirs and they didn't have the permits didn't have the certificates and they've got it about the same price not much cheaper and we said you know why would you save just a few pennies not to have the certificate and they said yeah but it doesn't make any difference towards us it doesn't make any difference to you until you come to sell the home and when the, when they you know, the, the real estate broker says, okay, where's your certificates for the new windows? And they say, sorry, we haven't got any. Then there's going to be a premium to pay. And very mm -hmm. often, I don't know what it's like over there in the US, but what we do here, we have to take out an insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So we can still sell the home, 
but we have to buy an insurance policy to insure that homeowner against any defects. And that can be quite costly. Like a warranty. Yeah, yeah we have we have uh, like warranty programs. Some yeah. uh, inspectors will uh, have as a sell- selling point. We offer a free 90 day warranty on everything we inspect. And we don't do that. That's a gimmick. Yeah. There's a lot of programs out there that are marketed to home inspectors. Uh, pass it on to your clients. We won't charge you a thing. We won't charge your client a thing. It's like, OK, then how are you paying for it? And of course, yeah. it is they're getting the customer's personal information. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a very valuable commodity. And we don't do that. We yeah. don't have any third party things because we are not going to give our customers names to anybody. Fantastic. So the you mentioned there, obviously, being impartial attracts a certain clientele. Mm-hmm. Um, how has this decision been then that has been made? How, what kind of impact has it made on your business and on the people you work with and on the, on the referrals you get from other sources? You know, do, do homeowners recommend you and refer you to other people? Oh, uh, we how, get, how does that work? Oh, yeah. We get referrals from past clients all the time. Yeah. Um, there are, it's funny sometimes when we will do the first inspection in a certain neighborhood And next thing you know, the next five or six inspections are all in the same neighborhood because they told their friends who told their friends who told their friends. um, And we basically not quite own that neighborhood, but we end up doing a a fair number of houses in a particular area, all due to uh, past customer referrals. Um, We also, deciding to be independent was a decision from day one. So we've always relied and which actually meant that during the recession, when a lot of um, the housing bubble, when a lot of realtors went out of business, a lot of home inspectors went out of business, too, because those realtors were their uh, were their referral source. And if those realtors were gone, their business dried up. So we had a lot of inspectors leave. So we did just fine through it. Good, good. And it's, it's interesting, the relationship there between the source of information. If you put all your eggs in one basket and you've got all your business coming from one source and suddenly that source is gone, then you're gone as well, aren't you? Because Absolutely. You know, there's a time lag in picking that back up. So it's great to hear that that was a, a good decision on, on all mm-hmm. parts, really. Now, you, the, you, the one, one thing that has made a big impact on our business, unfortunately, in a negative way, has been the pandemic. Yeah, it has spawned a housing crisis here of escalating prices and bidding wars. And some houses will have 70 offers in the first 24 hours. And a lot of people, in order to sweeten their offer, decide to waive their inspection contingencies. So no home inspection. So they'll pass on getting a home inspection just so they can get a house because they're tired of looking at houses and they get fed up and they're like, I'll I'll just take one and only discover to discover afterwards probably was not the best idea. Yeah. So that's that's interesting you say that because, I mean, yeah, I'm sure around the world, everybody's having the same housing crisis, you know, for, for many uh, for some, it's really good because if you've got your house and you're looking to downsize, mm-hmm. then yeah, you know, happy days. Mm-hmm. But you you mentioned there about you know obviously bypassing the home inspection here in the UK. You can't do that. So if you're if you're buying a home and the lender 
uh, legally has to require you to have some form of home inspection. Now, some of them will be quite, uh, as you say, soft, mm-hmm. just confirming the value. You know, is there anything just looking from the outside, what I call an armchair inspection? They could almost do it from home. Mm-hmm. You know, look on Google. You can do it from Google. Uh, it's that kind of feel to it. But there has to be some kind of home inspection. Interesting. Uh, now, is, is that sounds a, like that's uh, not the case where you are. No, home inspections are not required. They're recommended strongly by the um, uh, by the the government, um, yep. and but they can't require it. Um, okay. A lot of lenders around here do require appraisals, which is very different from home inspection because yeah. an appraisal is the value of the property yeah, yeah, and yeah. a home inspection is the condition of the property. And those are totally different. Yeah. See, we so, put those two together. Ah, so, okay. uh, yeah, they're done by the same person. Okay. Uh, and they normally will va- check the value and mm-hmm. make sure it's okay. And they'll check the condition because the condition affects the value. Absolutely. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. The impact is like things like um, we say people in in the event of a a, a state sale, like you've inherited your parents home, but you haven't lived there in 30 years. You have no idea what condition it's in. Do you want to fix it up? Do you want to sell it? Say get a home inspection. And that will detail all the things that the house is due to have and all the deferred maintenance. And then you have a clear picture of the condition of the home. Yeah, yeah. So you've you've got your your book there. Uh, just give us a title of the book again. One hundred and one called "One Hundred and One Things You Don't Want in Your Home," and okay. it's the Home Inspector's Guide to Avoiding a Money Pit. Uh, and it's basically that's the the top. It's probably not exactly one hundred and one. I've never counted, um, yeah. but it, you know it looked good in the title. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's all of the things that you may not realize are a big deal. Like a there are some brands of electrical panels that are hazardous, and most right. people don't know about that. There are fire hazards. Yeah. Um, you don't know. A lot of people are not aware that decks have service lives. A yep. deck will age. It is not a permanent structure and it needs to be maintained and it need, it'll have to be replaced. So many people just figure, okay, a deck, it's something that's built. Therefore, it'll last as long as the house. Yeah. yeah. And it won't. And, and, I, and I know it won't because I replaced all my deck uh, last year. 15, 15 years. We managed to that's get about the deck. lifespan. Yep. yep. 15 years is about the top end of the lifespan for a well-built yeah, yeah. Plus all the yeah. building standards change like every code cycle, yeah. something changes. We've actually had a spate of deck collapses in the last year, like at least six of them in my area. Luckily, no one was killed, but there were people injured and they're all ledger board separation. So where the deck meets the house, that's a weak point in the support for a deck. And once those bolts give way, the deck just comes down. Yeah. Wow. So I've got to ask you a question that I'm sure all the listeners want to know. What is the, I'm going to ask you two parts to this. Mm -hmm. What is the scariest thing that you have come across in a home inspection that involves a creature? Oh, that probably was the live snake in the electrical panel. Really? Wow. It was a live black rat snake that had gotten into the panel through what we call an unprotected opening. Someone had taken a knockout from the panel and not plugged it up. And um, 
take the cover of the panel off and there was a snake going, you know, sticking its tongue out at us. And, you know, one, the uh, clients were like, one of them was like, ah, and the other was like, ooh, um, and managed to get it out and uh, let it loose in the backyard because black rat snakes are really helpful in keeping down the rodent population. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I've got plenty of knockouts in my electrical meter box on the outside of the house that aren't plugged. It's particularly bad. And the door's hanging off it as well at the moment. But thankfully, we don't have snakes in this country, so we don't have to worry about things. <laughs> I might have a little spider that might be a little bit irritating or something like that. So what would you say was the most common? You know, If you were to give the listeners something that they can look for in their home, own home, that they don't want to have that's probably something that they can find themselves that's the most common what would you say that is a loose toilet one that's loose to the floor and some people think that that's not that big a deal but the trouble is a loose toilet means that the connection between the toilet and the uh the flange and the drain pipe is constantly being stressed And that can break and lead to leakage. And it's not just water. Um, And you can get damage to the subfloor and it can (laughs) collapse if it's left unattended. But most people just think, eh, it's loose. I'll just tighten down the bolts. But then they over tighten the bolts and things crack. So what I do uh, for every toilet I encounter is I'll lift the lid and I will stand with my knees on either side of the bowl and I'll just do a little shimmy to see if it moves. And if it moves at all, it's time not only not to tighten the bolts, but it's time to have the toilet removed and the subfloor checked and a new wax ring, make sure the drain is intact and then the toilet reset. And such a simple tip. I mean, how many times uh, that I can think of, I've gone to a friend's house uh, and you, you know, you use their bathroom and mm-hmm. yeah, you notice that, don't you? you notice it moves and you don't mm-hmm. think too much of it. Because for me, I've had more problems, not so much with the drains in the ground, but certainly the breakage of the link between the flushing system and that's the pan as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's always uh, a fault. We've got one in our house, and no matter how hard I try, I cannot get the flushing system fully secure. We've tried everything. I've had people out to it, and when they fitted it, it's it's slightly out of alignment, the pan to the system, and no matter how, you know, it's probably the wall or something, the mm-hmm. substructure wasn't right. But, yeah, absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thankfully, the waste side of it's okay. Occasionally, I just get a drip of fresh water, which I don't mind so much. so where can people go to find out more about you where can people go to get a copy of this book you know because if if any of us and i'm sure many of us do listening to this own our own homes or we're occupying a home Mm -hmm. where we really could do with checking this out and finding out if we're you know okay we're safe and we've got a property we can sell where where can we go and get a copy of this well it is available on amazon and yep, yep. so you can order either a hard copy or an ebook from Amazon. If uh, agents also buy these to give to their potential sales clients, oh, okay. so when they're going to do a presentation of let me list your home, 
a lot of them will include this book with their presentation as a gift. And in order to make it more affordable to do that, the uh, publisher Ninevan Books does offer bulk sales at a discount on the on their website, which is ninevanbooks.com. Great. So any, any realtors listening to this, that's something that they can take up and get those uh, in bulk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get about 50% off the cover price. Fantastic. So just give us the the spelling of your name so we can make sure when we're searching for the book, give us a spelling of your name uh, so we can search for you by author and also the name of the book again, if you if you would. So my first name, it's a Dutch name. Uh, it's Velmoot, and it's not spelled anything like how it sounds. Nope. It's spelled W-E-L-M-O-E-D. Yep. And last name is Sisson, S-I-S-S-O-N. That was my right. husband's name. Not My maiden name was Dutch as well. Right. Um, and our business is Inspections by Bob. And yep. that's why I have the uh, Mrs. Bob on my Mrs. shirt. Mrs. Bob, okay. So, <laughs> because having an unusual name when I was doing the marketing for Bob and answering the phone, people will call. They couldn't say my name. I'm just going to call you Mrs. Bob. And Mrs. it stuck. So Fantastic. Yeah, great. And now you've got a shirt that says it as well. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So we know where we can get a copy of the book. Um, the title again is 101 Things You Don't Want you in Your Home. Want, you Don't Want in Your Home, indeed. Great. Perfect. I'm working on a second book that's called How to Build a New House Without Losing Your Mind. Oh, um, okay. I'm hoping that will be out early next year. Great, great. So keep an eye on that, listeners, and look out for that. Um, if people want to connect with you, if people want to reach out to you, how can they do that? If they've got a, a home that they need inspecting uh, mm-hmm. in, in your area or they just want to reach out and find a little bit more about you uh, and anything to do with home inspections, where can they go? Well, they can. We love talking with people, even if they are across the country and not our client at all, because yeah. we believe our mission is education. Okay. And the more people know about their homes, the safer they will be and the safer everyone else will be. Um, so anyone who wants just to ask a question about their home, free to email me, um, velmoot at inspectionsbybob.com. We are also on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Inspections by Bob on both places. Um, And we have a YouTube channel as well with lots of videos on uh, and, you know, getting ready to add more to them. So we have a lot of interesting videos, like a compilation of things that move that shouldn't move. Um, So we have uh, lots of ways to be able to reach us. Yeah. So before I ask you to give the listeners one tip or one lesson that they can do something with, and you've already already given us a great one there with with the toilet, Um, I need to ask what's been the most dangerous and life-threatening thing that you've seen when you've been doing a home inspection that isn't creature-related? Hmm. Oh my gosh. There's something, really any issue we find in the home, if you awfulize it enough, you know, it will kill you. Dangerous decks ones that are not securely attached. We've seen ones I will not walk on. And as a matter of fact, I keep a roll of red tape in my kit so that if I encounter a dangerous deck, I will put a big red X across the door leading to the deck saying, do not step on this deck, it's a safety hazard. Um, And the bad electric, bad electric is probably top of the list because fire is catastrophic. And a lot of the times wiring problems will erupt inside the walls. 
where you don't see it yeah. and they'll smolder and yeah. modern materials give off a lot of toxic fumes. So people can be overcome by the fumes before they ever see fire. And I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that because, you know, certainly as I, as I mentioned before we started the call, you know, I was into uh, insurance repairs and most of the insurance damage we had was fire. And, you know, we have been to properties where people unfortunately have lost their lives, but most of them plumbing, if it leaks, normally you see it, you hear it with electric, you don't until it catches fire. And mm -hmm. by then, as you say, it's too late. Uh, the other thing I would say to the listeners, as you were talking there, one of the things I, I, I hate to see, if there's a vent in a wall um, or there's something that looks like it's there for a purpose, leave it alone. It is. Don't cover it up because it's slightly drafty. Yes. You know, don't try and block it up because it feels a little bit cold or, or vice versa. You know, if it's there, it's there for a reason. Don't mm -hmm. try and think you're better than the reason, uh, because usually there is then a silent killer. Carbon monoxide, something along those lines will will finish you off. So, uh, and I think it'd be, if more people would be conscientious about changing the filters on their furnaces, I would be so happy. Yeah. Because the vast majority we see, you pull the furnace out and there's dust bunnies on it. Yeah. Um, you, you're supposed to change them every thirty days. Uh, yeah. In the case of one-inch filters, if they are four-inch filters, you can let them go for 60 to 90 days, but still, please change your filters and get yeah. your furnaces serviced every year. Yeah. Well, so many people just don't do that. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> yeah. But, but people... Well, home own, yeah, I mean, homeownership takes work. It takes maintenance. It does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and maintenance will save you money in the long run you know we've got an old oil boiler at home and we have it maintained every single year and yet there's always a little repair but the little repair costs me you know a minute amount i think the last big repair i had cost me probably equivalent of 90 dollars, so about 60 pounds mm -hmm. where's but your oil I, tank uh, our oil tank is actually in the ground outside yeah, yeah. around here that's a bad thing because yeah, it, it's an it, environmental risk. Yeah, it is in the UK as well. It is a bundled tank and it's got all kinds of safety devices. But the maintenance is the key thing. And we have when they come to service the boiler, they check the tank. That's excellent. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Is, is everything OK around it? Because around you know, here, if, if, if an underground, if a buried oil tank leaks, the yeah. liability to the homeowner is unlimited and it's not covered by any insurance. Same here. And exactly a, the same here. Yeah, cleanup fees can be in excess of half a million dollars if the tank has been leaking for a long time. Yeah, yeah. That's why I, yeah. I don't like buried oil tanks. No, and we, we've had it over <laughs> here. We, we had a neighbor who had an oil leak. It was coming underneath their uh, heating device and there was mm -hmm. a slight leak and it was just going through the floor. And yeah, they were out of the house for 12 months while it was all ground, dug out, decontaminated. <sighs> And the only reason they, they saw it was the, ha the hedge next to the house started dying back. And they couldn't ah. work out why the holly hedge was dying. And it was the oil was eventually seeping through and killing it. So, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Well, that, that was costly. It was, yeah. Not half a million, but it was certainly costly. Mm. Uh, and they can't sell the home now. That's the other thing. Even though it's all fixed, nobody wants to buy a home which has had that kind of work done to it as well. Tainted title. Tainted title. Yep. 
So if you could give the listeners one tip, one lesson they can do that they can take away, what can you uh, tell us uh, the moot today that they can they can take away? For business or for home inspection? For the yes, give general? us one of give oh, us one okay. of each. Yeah, yeah, give us well, one of I'll, each. I'll actually let tell you one that just rose to the surface yesterday, and that is have a website that looks good on mobile. Because right. most of our traffic to our website, and our website is the primary tool we get our clients with, um, most of the traffic comes from mobile phones, not yep. tablets, but phones. Because it's oh, when okay. people are looking at houses, they're out in the field. They're looking at a house. Oh, my God, I love this house. Let's write an offer. We're going to need a home inspection. So they'll immediately do a search on their phones. And we have a website that looks, we designed it to look really good on phones. And that has, it's not a lot of flowery language. It's, if you see this on a phone, it means you need a home inspection. Now push this button. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, that it gets them right to our pricing and scheduling page. And I think, I think there's two sides to that, which is really important for the listeners. You know, having your website, so it looks good on, on mobile and on phones. Absolutely essential. And you're right, tablets. Not everybody's sat there. Tablets, is it me or are they just getting huge now? You know, they're getting bigger and bigger, aren't they? Um, but the other thing you've mentioned there is keep it simple. I think sometimes we try to make our websites and our call to action and where people need to go, we make it so complicated, don't we? And confusion loses you sales. Absolutely. If they can't find, if they have to hunt for the button they want, it's a bad website. Yeah. And we get so much business because people love our website. We have something on our site called the Hall of Shame. Yeah. And where we take pictures that people may think there's, you know, I don't see anything wrong with it. And then they read the description and they go, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah. And, and I think you've, you've given us a great tip there as well. If you've got a hunt for the button, it's bad on a website. Mm -hmm. okay? But if you've got a hunt for something to turn something off or turn it on in your home, a stop clock or a tap that needs turning to isolate something, if you've got to go hunting for it, that's also not good neither, is it? You, know, you should know where all the yeah. things are in your home. And don't block them with boxes and furniture. <laughs> yes. And we see that so often as well. And shoes. Why do people stack shoes in front of electrical cabinets as well? We have that all the time here in the UK. Mm -hmm. Don't just cover it with something nice. Cover it with something smelly. That's really going to work, isn't it? So. Or, there, or, or it's behind the washer and dryer. So, you know, that's yeah. also, mm, yeah, no, yeah. don't do yeah. that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So what else on the on the uh, the home inspection? Eh? If you could give the listeners, you've given us a great business tip there. Uh, what would be a good home inspection tip? Um. Maintain things that need to be maintained. Again, take care of the little problems before they become big problems. Yep. Um, changing your filter regularly. It may be you, know, you set an alarm on your phone the first of every month. Go change your filter. Go change your filter. Um, that will extend the life of your system. It, yeah, and keeping things like um, shrubbery away from the, uh, the sides of the house. There should be 6 to 12 inches uh, Sorry, I don't know what that is in centimeters. We use yeah, yeah, I'm all inches, so you're good with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so about, Six to 12 inches. about 30 okay. centimeters or 300 millimeters, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. that'll work. Uh, away from uh, the side of the house, there should be nothing organic touching the side of the house because it's an insect highway. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So that things like that, getting your chimney cleaned every year, um, just ha- just keeping yeah. up on the maintenance. Yeah, that's really what you need to do. <laughs> and listeners, I think you, you know you're getting a, an absolute masterclass in some of the things you need to do at your home here. But don't think this is going to cost you money. Yeah, this is going to save you money in the long run. It will increase the value of your home, just like it does with a, if you've got a motor vehicle of any type, if you've got a service history that goes with it, you will get more for it every single time. It's the same with your home. And I'm sure it is around the world, wherever you are. But the most important thing is it will save your life potentially. Yes. Yeah. And anybody else, if you've got a body in a bed, as we used to like to say, if you've got people sleeping in your home, children, relatives, friends that come to stay, you have a moral obligation to make sure mm-hmm. that the home they're sleeping in is safe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm just glad I don't have black rat snakes in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah. In a way. Um, but we do have lots of rats and mice that we don't keep on top of. So that's the other side. So I want, I want to ask you the, the last question then, and this is uh, thinking about your your filter coffee, your drip coffee in the morning. Uh, if you were going to have that coffee or any other coffee in a dream location, where would that dream location be? Oh, don't even have to think about it. That would be a um, outdoor cafe in Paris, and it would ah. be a double espresso and yep. a copy of the International Herald Tribune. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's that's good detail. Uh, I'm taking it if you're going to do that, it's going to be mid-morning to mid-afternoon, or would it be early morning or late, late in the that day? That would be like 10-ish, 10 a.m.-ish. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, you know, time to sit and people watch. And the other thing is, I've actually done that. I've had coffee in Paris at a uh, uh, cafe, outdoor yeah. bistro cafe, and it's just a marvelous experience. Yeah. And the reason I know I, I was a good guess at the time of day. And the only reason I say that is that if you because a lot of these cafes have newspapers there, don't they? Mm-hmm. And if you go there too late, it's pretty dog-eared by the time you get there. So people generally go early to get the better copy of the paper to be able to read it. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah. Well, it's it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Just reminders again of how to find your name first of all, and where the best place to go is to find you. And then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Well, again, the email is my first name, W-E-L-M-O-E-D at inspectionsbybob.com. You can also just Google my first name because it is an extremely rare name, even in the Netherlands where it came from. Right. Um, So uh, a lot of Google searches are just people type in my first name and then they find me without a problem. Um, So that would be or go to our Facebook page or our Instagram inspections by Bob for both. Uh, or our YouTube channel. So those are all ways that you can learn. We use these as education moments so that to teach people what they find. I'm actually working on a post right now about active knob and tube wiring because that's what I found yesterday at an inspection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So listeners, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. There's something to learn by connecting on Facebook, going to the YouTube channel, Instagram, and of course, get a copy of the book. 101 things you don't want in your home. Absolutely. Yeah. 
thank you very much for being a guest. It's been an absolute pleasure and I appreciate your time. Listeners, you can't see the backdrop uh, that Delmoot had behind her because she's got a vinyl backdrop of an attic which has more things to crawl through and over and through. And yeah, if any architects or any designers are listening to this, when you design a space to access any kind of equipment or plumbing or electrics, just think, would I myself go into that space and do it? Because if you if you answer that question truthfully, you probably would design it differently as well. So we'll we'll be on a mission to do that. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you so much, Simon. I had a wonderful time. And listeners, as you know, this is part of my mission to help businesses around the world be more successful, be better aware and better educated. And we've learned some, some valuable things about how to look after one of our most precious assets, our homes, how to look after it, how to look after the value in it, uh, how to make it safe, but also a great tip about our websites. Make sure they're mobile friendly, look great on mobile, not just good on mobile, but great on mobile and think about the simplicity. How quick can you get to the button? And if you hunt for the button and you have to hunt for the button, then that's it. That's not good. You're going to lose the sale. So some great tips we've shared there. And I look forward to having you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you. Thank you.